Amen. Our opening hymn tonight is a hymn 318, Beneath the Cross of Jesus. I fain would take my stand, the shadow of a mighty rock within a weary land. 318, and we'll stand together while we sing, please. And I trust when I turn around, the words are behind me. So, amen. We're all now hopefully on the same page. Amen. together in prayer still ourselves in God's presence when I ask our brother Samuel Johnson one of our deacons in Hebron to come and to lead us to the throne of grace in prayer please brother Samuel
us all pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that tonight we can come before you and call you our Father, which art in heaven. Not because of any merits of our own, but because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us there on the cross at Calvary. Lord, tonight we just take our stand beneath the cross of Jesus, as we've been singing about just now. We thank that there we can find no safer stand, not even where glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. We thank you, Lord, for being with us this week as we've met in the town hall. We thank you for helping our pastor as he's brought your word. We thank you for the uh, people that you've brought in from our town, for, for those who are frequent attenders at church and those who perhaps are not. And we thank you that the gospel has been preached and that the gospel is the power of God to salvation. And we pray that tonight, that as the gospel once again is preached, that you will open hearts to see the Saviour. Lord, we realise that uh, your word tells us that there's no beauty that we should desire him. For those that are unsaved, they cannot see the beauty of the Saviour. But Lord, accept you open their eyes. And we pray that tonight you will open the eyes of the blind, you will open the ears of the deaf, and open those hearts to see the Saviour. Bless those who will sing. We thank you for the word of truth and for the, uh, the group that will sing to us in a few moments. We pray that you will bless them, and we pray that the words that they sing will even be a means of pointing to the Saviour. Lord, we pray that tonight, that as, as we meet together, that more than anything we will meet with you, and that we will know the Saviour in our midst, and that as we leave here, may we leave saying it was good to have gone there, for there we've met afresh Amen. with our Saviour and with our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Samuel. I'm going to ask the word of truth to come now and to minister to us in song, please. Right. 
I've seen the Lord. I've been to Calvary through the witness of His word each day at Calvary. What a thrill of love divine just to know that this Savior is mine. <clears throat> I walked the Calvary road where Jesus trod. I saw him hiding there, the Son of God. With tears stained to Calvary. I can say I've seen the Lord. I've been to Calvary through the witness of his word each day at Calvary. What a thrill of love divine just to know that this Savior is mine. I've been to Calvary, I can say I've seen the Lord. I've been to Calvary, through the witness of his word, each day at Calvary. What a thrill of love divine, just to think, just to say, just to know. That this Savior is mine. Thank you to the Word of Truth. I'm not saying anything. We got through that. And uh, we thank each one of them. And of course, as we've said before, we miss Ivor. So if he's watching online, we miss you, brother. And we're looking forward to you son being with us in the word of truth. We bid you all welcome in the Saviour's name. It's good to see those who have joined us tonight. If you're here for the first time, we bid you especially welcome. If you're here again and you've been previously, we bid you welcome as well. Everyone is welcome in the Saviour's name. And we trust and pray that we'll know the Lord's blessing as we continue in the gospel mission. Do remember the meetings as they do continue the rest of this week, each night, 8pm here in the town hall. Time of prayer in the MacArthur room downstairs at 7.30 for God's people. Tomorrow night, uh, Rebecca Park will be along to sing. Thursday night, Sarah Knowles. Friday night, we will have Marcus and Cherith Leggy from uh, our Cookstown congregation. And of course, Friday night, we have the special testimony of our brother Andy Copeland. And so do remember each of these meetings night by night, intend to be here, plan to be here, invite others, and above all pray. Pray that God will move in a special way. Now you might notice, you may have noticed it last night, but at the front of the, the hole, there's a small cabinet. And in that cabinet, there is a copy of the Word of God. Now, 
Dr. Paisley used to say he didn't believe in holy relics, but he did believe in precious memories. And in that cabinet there is a Bible. And it was a Bible that was presented to the commissioners of Coleraine Town Hall, or the old Coleraine Council as it was many years ago in 1859. And I just want to read to you an extract from the book, The 59 Revival, that was published many years ago uh, by Dr. Paisley. And just to read to you about what was to happen at the opening of the town hall in Coleraine. Not this town hall, but in Coleraine. And the Coleraine Chronicle, and it was still going in those days, 1859, is still going today. And it reported, instead of the joyous dance, and this was about the official opening, a new town hall had been built and it was to be opened about the time there was to be a special ball that was to have to be held in the hall. But the 1859 revival had broken out in Kells, in Connor, and was spreading through County Antrim and was making its way through County Londonderry. And the Chronicle reported this. Instead of a joyous dance and a stirring music of the ballroom, the walls of the hall gave back the almost despairing groans of the stricken sinner and heartfelt prayer of the believing penitent or resounded with the adoring thanks of a redeemed saint. So hour after hour of that memorable night passed away, one after another ministers and good men who had prayed with and comforted the mourners retired worn out. In the niche of a window sat a mother for six long hours holding in her lap the head of a son, a wicked son, who now lay prostrate under the awful power of conviction. Would not God, who had borne with her boy in his years of waywardness, vouchsafe to him a sight of the cross? Her patience was rewarded. Before his dark soul a clear light dawned upon the great atonement, and he went home rejoicing that evening, a redeemed sinner, saved by the grace of God. That happened it's also reported in the Fair Hill in Coleraine, the famous preacher Grafton Guinness of the Guinness family who was known for something more than preaching the word of God, but Grafton Guinness came to know Christ. It said that there were 7,000 people in the Fair Hill in, Co in Coleraine to hear the gospel. And as a result of the town hall being opened by a prayer meeting instead of the ball that was to be held, this Bible that's here tonight uh, was presented by the ministers of Coleraine. And I just want to read to you uh, what the Reverend J.A. Canning said about what he wanted. Upon the suggestion of the Reverend J.A. Canning, a copy of the scriptures of the largest size and in very costly binding was produced to be used in the union prayer meeting held in the town hall each morning at 9.30 a.m. And to serve as a memorial of the revival... Visitors to the town hall can still see this volume, a solemn witness to the great awakening, and the following inscription is engraved on the Bible flyleaf that's here tonight. This copy of the Holy Scriptures, purchased by the contributions of Christians of all evangelical denominations in Coleraine, who have been attending a union prayer meeting held in the town hall, is intended to be one 
a memorial of the most gracious and widespread religious awakening which commenced upon the evening of the 7th of June 1859 at an open-air meeting for prayer and preaching of the gospel held in the fair hill of Coleraine, where many with strong crying and tears were led to exclaim, What must I do to be saved? And where many more throughout the night and during that period which has since elapsed were led by the Spirit of God to embrace an offered Saviour and to find peace and joy in believing. It is meant to be too, memorial to the first opening of the new town hall of Coleraine, where upon the night of the 9th of June, uh, 1859, nearly 100 persons agonised in mind through conviction of sin and entirely prostrate in body were borne into that building to obtain shelter during the night and to receive consolation from the instructions and prayers of Christian ministers and Christian people. And this copy of God's word is intended thirdly to be a memorial to other people and to other times of the blessed spirit of union and brotherly love which has been one fruit of God's wondrous work in Coleraine and which has found its expression and its witness in the crowned union prayer meeting which assembles daily in the town hall from half past nine until ten o'clock filled with adoring gratitude to Almighty God for the gift of his Holy Spirit, by whom many hundreds of souls have been brought to the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. We, the ministers of the Gospel and Coleraine, presidents of the Union Prayer Meeting, together with the committee management, do subscribe our names to the inscription expressing our desire and determination that this copy of Holy Scriptures shall be committed to the custody and safekeeping of the Chairman of the Town Commissioners, of other chief civic authority for the time being as a token of our gratitude, our gratitude to God for the times of refreshing which he has been pleased to visit Coleraine and a witness to other days of how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. And then it was signed by all the ministers. And tonight that copy of the word of God is here. You can come up and you can have a look at it. it can't be taken out of the, obviously for obvious reasons, out of the case. But it's a reminder of what God did in 1859. And our prayer is, do it again. Do it again, Lord, for your honour and for your glory. We're going to sing together the hymn, In evil long I took delight, and awed by shame or fear, till a new object met my sight and stopped. My wild career. We'll stand together while we sing this lovely hymn, please. <clears throat> Let's all stand while we sing.
Let's give the note and we'll sing the, fa- the final verse and chorus unaccompanied. tremendous truth to think he died for me I trust that we'll think much about that even tonight word of truth will come and bring our final message in song please
And I thank the Word of Truth for singing tonight. We always appreciate their ministry and always enjoy the, the hymns that they sing. And we trust that there will be a real blessing to you tonight who have come to the mission. I add my words of welcome. Good to see all who are gathered on this Tuesday night. We bid you welcome in the Saviour's name. If you're here for the first time, we're glad to see you. And uh, if there's any technical hitch at the beginning, I will take responsibility for that. Um, Mervyn had the right PowerPoint here in front that I'd brought, but the other one upstairs just wasn't uh, the right one. So Andrew flew home uh, to the manse to, to get it onto the pen drive, but meantime, Samuel came up with this great idea. Email it to me, and I was able to do that. And just as Andrew <coughs> came in tonight, I think before that, maybe a minute before that, the, the PowerPoint was up and running. So our technology needs to be perfected just that little bit more. We're glad to see you. Trust the Lord will bless you as we come to gather around his word just in a moment or two. I was out visiting a couple of people this morning, and one of the ones that I visited was our sister Maud Graham. And I was just speaking briefly to her sister tonight, and I found out on the wee note there that Maud will be 90 on Saturday, this Saturday, the 22nd of October. We send our greetings to Maud. Uh, to get to 90 is a good age, isn't it? And we rejoice with our sister. It's always good to hear about revival and to hear the history behind the Bible that is here. We know that God moved in this country and we're looking for the Lord to move again. It's always darkest before the dawn. And in periods of revival, there were very dark times that preceded revival. And so we might look out into society and we see a lot of sin and worldliness abounding. But that's the way it was just before revival came. And then God moved for his glory and for the good of his people. And he sent revival. And that's what happened in this country in 1859. There have been other uh, revivals, other periods of the moving of God. But that was a special year. And we call it the year of grace for Northern Ireland. 100,000 souls at least were swept into the kingdom of God. Some historians will put it at twice that amount. But there were many, many conversions. And all because God moved young men to pray. And four young men gathered in Kell's schoolhouse. They began to pray. And by and by others joined them. And they met every week just simply to cry to God for a manifestation of his power. And that revival might come. And revival did come. Broke out in Kells and Connor. Began to spread into Ballymena. Other parts of County Antrim. Right up here to Ballymoney. Back in 1859. In one of the local Presbyterian churches. It was a man by the name of the Reverend Robert Park. Who was the minister. And they said for, for many, many years. Decades in fact. He had had a very fruitless ministry but when revival came uh, souls were being converted in their scores and I think <clears throat> if memory's right there were a hundred prayer meetings taking place every week in the Valamoney district in that particular period of time as God's people got together to pray. Can I commend the prayer meeting to you? That's where it begins and if you can come to the mission prayer meetings and gather with us half an hour before the services We'd be glad to see you. 
Then, of course, this, this Bible is from uh, Coleraine. And in Coleraine, one of the, the great moves of God was among the children. And there is an absolutely wonderful story of God moving in a secular school. There were the fellas and there were the girls. They were educated separately in those days. And God began to move among the girls. And at break time and lunch time, whenever children are usually out playing in the playground, you could see around the playground these children on their knees crying to God for mercy and getting right with him. And as that began to move among the girls, it soon spread into the boys' section of the school. And many, many of those children were converted. We pray that God will do that kind of work again. Everybody comfortable tonight? It's not too warm. Some people think it's too warm. Some people think it's just right. I think it's just right. My wife thinks it's too warm. Um, But you're not going to please everybody. We're glad that there's heat in these cold days here in the town hall. So don't fall asleep if you think it's warm. Many years ago, there was a man who fell asleep in the front row. And uh, the minister had a Bible like this. It was one of those big Bibles with a brass clasp on it. And he closed it. He lifted it. And he threw it at him and woke him up. And he told him, if you won't hear the word, you will feel the word. And that did waken him up. And then there was another man fell asleep and his wife was beside him. And the preacher said, would you waken your husband up? And she said, you waken him up, you put him to sleep. (laughs) So I hope I don't put anybody to sleep tonight. Let's open the Bible as we want to read this evening in the Gospel of Matthew and the chapter 27. Matthew 27. And we're going to read from verse 33. Just a few verses. Verse 33 to 36. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him, and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there. And we'll end the reading at verse 36. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, as we come to the the last part of our meeting tonight, we are thankful for your presence night by night. Thank thee that the Lord is here this evening, and he has blessed the, the songs that we've sung together in the ministry from the Word of Truth we thank thee for your precious word. And as we come to look at it now, we pray that you'll help us just to sit up and listen and hear what God is saying to our hearts. Not so much important what this preacher says, but through the preacher, what God is saying to the hearts and the minds of those that are here in the building and others that are listening in on the internet. And we pray that you'll speak. You'll speak with a voice that wakes the dead and make people hear. And Lord, awaken men to their need of God's salvation. May this be a saving night, while on others thou art calling, do not pass us by for Jesus' sake. Amen. If you've been gathering with us these nights, we're just looking at one day, and that is the last day, the day of the cross in the life and ministry of Christ. And we've been looking at the characters that feature in and around that day. And this evening we come to these men that we've read about in these few verses, the Roman soldiers, and particularly watching Jesus die. And the last verse that we read, verse 36, we are told that sitting down, 
they watched him there. Have you ever thought about the crowd that assembled at the cross to watch Jesus die? Have you ever considered the multitude that stood in the shadow of Calvary and and set their eyes upon the bleeding Lamb of God as he was crucified? Have you ever pondered the variety of people who gazed at this cruel spectacle of Christ's crucifixion and stared upon the suffering Savior in his hour of greatest sorrow and pain? Multitudes swarmed that hell cry at Golgotha to see Jesus Christ, God's Son, die between two thieves on a Roman cross. Jews and Gentiles, Pharisees, Sadducees, members of the Sanhedrin, Jewish scribes and doctors of the law, Roman captains and soldiers, governors, the mob of the common people, mocking, laughing, weeping, awe-smitten, watching Jesus die. Saints and sinners mingled as that greatest of all events in human history took place. The weeping mother of Jesus, the beloved disciple John, the faltering Simon Peter, Mary Magdalene, Joseph of Arimathea, watching Jesus die. Pontius Pilate, who who gave the sentence, handed Jesus over to die and washed his hands of the whole affair. The Roman centurion, who was appointed to oversee the execution of God's dear son, the hard-hearted, brutal Roman soldiers, they were all there watching Jesus die. But I want to home in on these Roman soldiers, these men tonight. I want you to fix your attention upon them. It seems that, that four soldiers were detailed to be the execution party in charge of the Savior's uh, crucifixion with a centurion in charge. Uh, the fact that the soldiers, having crucified Jesus, divided his garments into four portions indicates that there were four soldiers there. Four sturdy soldiers and a centurion sitting down and watching Jesus die. I want you to consider the sight of these soldiers. I want you to ponder tonight what they saw as they viewed Jesus in his dying hours. It is said of these rough, hardened Roman soldiers that sitting down, they watched him there. They were part of that great company of soldiers that mocked Jesus in the common hall. If you look back a little in this chapter to verse 27 and mark what it says from that verse onwards, it speaks about these soldiers and what they were doing at this moment in time in Pilate's judgment hall. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had planted a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put on his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. These were the soldiers that marched 
Jesus Christ through the streets of Jerusalem, outside the city walls to the place where he was going to be put to death. They were the very men who, who stretched our Lord upon that Roman stake and drove the spikes unmercifully into his precious hands. Hands of kindness. Hands that, that touched the sick and made them whole. Hands that were, were laid upon little children to bless them. Hands that were stretched out to a disobedient and again saying people as Jesus bid men to come unto him that they might have salvation. And now these same hands are being stretched out upon the cross by these Roman soldiers. They were the men who derided and mocked him. They were the men that offered him vinegar to drink. They were the men that challenged his deity. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. They were the men that cast lots over his clothing. And now when all is done that they could do, the whipping is over, the mockery is finished, the act of crucifixion is completed, the garments of Christ divided. Sitting down, they watched him there. What did they see? What did they behold? What did they gaze upon? What did they discover in those few hours? Come and sit with them for a little while with me and watch Jesus die. Such a sight must provoke a response in our hearts. Such a sight must make us think, I believe it will. What did they see as the soldiers sat down and watched him there? They saw, first of all, the suffering of Christ. Christ crucified. Do not forget how cruel, painful, and inhumane death by crucifixion really was. Most agonizing, the worst form of execution possible. More than our minds really can take in. The cross consisted of a strong upright post. The victim was divested of his clothing and usually presented with a cup of wine, sometimes medicated with a view to alleviate some of the pain. This, of course, Jesus refused to take. The condemned man was then nailed hand and foot to the stake by large iron spikes. The pain was, as we may try, albeit uh, feebly to imagine, dreadful and agonizing. Dr. Christian Richter, a godly doctor in the orphan house of Hale, who died in 1711, described the, the physical sufferings of crucifixion. And this is what he said. On account of the nat unnatural and immovable position of the body and the violent extension of the arms, the least motion produced the most painful sensation all over the body but especially on the lacerated back and the pierced members. The nails caused constantly increasing pain on the most sensitive parts of the hands and feet. Inflammation set in at the pierced members. And whenever the crucifixion, or sorry, the, the circulation of the blood was obstructed by the violent tension of the body, it increased the agony and created an intolerable thirst. The blood rushed to the head 
and produced the most violent headache. The blood in the lungs accumulated, pressing the heart, swelling all the veins, and caused nameless anguish. Loss of blood through the open wounds would have shortened the pain, but the blood clotted and ceased flowing. Death generally set in slowly, the muscles, veins, and nerves gradually growing stiff, and the vital powers shrinking from exhaustion. The soldiers saw this crucifixion. The soldiers took part in this means of death. They watched Jesus die as they sat beneath the cross. They watched him breathing in excruciating pain. They saw the agony in his face. They heard the groans. They watched the blood as it fell down to the ground. And his life drained slowly from his poor, naked, broken, bleeding body. How do you feel when you gaze upon such a sight? As you were led to the cross. As you hear about the immense sufferings of Jesus Christ. As you sit in the shadow of Calvary in these meetings. And you watch Jesus die. What is your response? Is your heart hard and callous? Does it mean little or nothing to you? There's a lovely prophetic verse of what is happening here that was written hundreds of years previously by Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, in the book of Lamentations, chapter 1 and verse 12. Originally, it was speaking, of course, of Jerusalem. In fact, Jerusalem here is personified. Let me read you the text. Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. It is said that Jeremiah sat outside the city and he was watching the the destruction of the beloved city. And here Jerusalem, as it were, is saying, is it nothing to you as you pass by and you see the sorrow that I am in? And yet here is a prophetic text that speaks of Christ. As the people walked by, as the soldiers sat there, as you listen Tonight, to the sufferings of Christ, is it nothing to you? Does it not really mean anything to you? What do you see? Just a man in great agony? Just a dying Jew? The history is so far removed from you, it is nothing more than an historical event. I want you to learn that it's possible to gaze at at Christ's sufferings and see nothing. No beauty that you should desire him. No attraction that brings you to Christ. Do you not sense something in your heart tonight of God's love for you? Do you not feel moved at all? Oh God of mercy upon you. If you are here tonight and you are untouched. As you listen to the sufferings of Christ on the cross. May a sight of the crucified Savior be the very means that draws you unto himself that you might be saved and find salvation. These soldiers saw the crowd pass by and revile him. Look at verse 38 of this chapter. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, 
Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If I be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking him, with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. And whenever you turn to the Gospel of Luke in the chapter 23, you'll discover that the Roman soldiers also mocked and scorned the Lord Jesus Christ. So here we have this company gathered around the the cross that day. The people that passed by, the chief priests, the scribes, the elders, and even the thieves that were crucified, together with the soldiers at the start of this story. Would you dare to join your voice with their voices in your sneering against the cross of Christ? Is this how you would react? What did they not see? They did not see the unseen hand of the Almighty. When his father punished his son as our substitute, when our sins were being laid upon Christ and Jesus Christ was now suffering far more than those physical sufferings that we have described, when he was now suffering the eternal sufferings that we deserved in hell itself. We are told in the scripture, in the prophetic word, that he was smitten of God and afflicted. Jehovah lifted up his rod. O Christ, it fell on thee. Thou wast sore stricken of thy God. There's not one stroke for me. Thy tears, thy blood beneath it flowed. Thy bruising healeth me. Jehovah bade his sword awake. O Christ, it woke against thee. Thy blood, the flaming blade, must slake thy heart. Its sheath must be. All for my sake, my peace to make. Now sleeps that sword for me. They didn't see the sin of a wicked world being laid upon the Lord Jesus Christ as God the Father laid on him the iniquity of us all. He bare the sin of many, the scripture tells us. Peter says, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree. Oh, they did hear his deep cry of lamentation when he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But they didn't fully understand what was happening. As God Almighty was now punishing his own beloved and dear son on our behalf. That we might have redemption and know our sins forgiven. They saw the sufferings of Christ. Secondly, they saw the salvation of Christ. There were two thieves. Malefactors, as one of the gospel writers called them. And they were crucified on on either side. Both of them, at the start, they scorned the Lord Jesus. One of them remained hardened and unbelieving and died in his sins. The other repented and believed. Something happened to change his mind. In those few hours, as he listened to what was happening, as he took it all in and And his eyes now began to be opened as to who this was being crucified beside him. Something happened to change his heart. 
to bring him to that place where he prayed, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. The soldiers witnessed this dramatic change in the attitude and, and the thinking of the dying thief. They saw this mighty deed of salvation. Here's a man and he's facing death. A man who had been a hardened criminal. <clears throat> His past life was one of godlessness and sin. A man who had lived in crime and wickedness. But he's brought face to face with the crucified Lord. He's brought in his own case face to face with death and eternity. And he begins to think about things that he possibly had never considered before. His own mortality for one. And his own eternity to where he was certainly going for another. And now this man crucified beside him. The mighty saviour indeed. And he's troubled and, and he's concerned. And so he cries out. He cries out to Jesus Christ for mercy. The soldiers heard the conversation. They saw the thief begin to fear. Under the reality of condemnation. They heard him confess his sin. And admit that he deserved to be punished. Indeed they heard him declare the innocency and the purity of Christ. They heard him speak about the kingdom of heaven. They heard his plea to be remembered when Jesus came into his kingdom. They watched the tender-hearted Savior in great agony and in great pain, taking notice of this thief's change of heart and his prayer and responding in infinite grace and mercy. He said, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. I believe the scene touched these men. These hardened Roman soldiers. I believe the compassion of Christ. Moved them inwardly. The mercy of the dying saviour. Had a profound effect upon these soldiers. Hardened, brutal, cruel men. As they were. When you sit to, to contemplate these things. The kingdom of God. As this man obviously did. Does it create an interest in your heart? The kingdom of God is, is heaven. You think about heaven, are you interested? Does it make you think? When you see troubled hearts around you, men beginning to fear and acknowledge their sin, perhaps big sinners like this thief obviously was, does it not, does it not challenge you that, that such men are fearing and getting right with God? When others are saved and you witness the salvation of Christ, does it not speak to your own heart? It's a tragedy, you know, when, when God begins to move in power and souls are being saved, that there are those who remain hardened and penitent. They're, they're passed by in the day of grace, passed by in the, in the day of visitation. You, you remember there were two thieves. There was another thief. And though one man repented and turned to Christ in his dying heart, the other man did not. The cross did not touch his life. What was happening there on Calvary's brow meant nothing to him. He blasphemed to his dying breath. You keep that in mind, my friends. And then there's one other thing that I want you to notice that they saw, or at least they heard, the supplication of Christ. 
They heard him pray, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Luke chapter 23 and verse 24. How this must have provoked some kind of thought. Some kind of response. It must have caused these men to, to think. What gracious words of intercession they were. We have seven recorded sayings of Jesus Christ when he was hanging on the cross. And this is the first one. And the first one was a prayer. A prayer for the souls of his murderers. First and foremost, this prayer of intercession was to do with the soldiers that had just crucified him. Because that's how the narrative reads. How these men took Christ. They nailed him to the cross. They lifted him up to die. And the very first thing Jesus says is, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. But it's very possible this prayer was far-reaching. It reached well beyond these Roman soldiers. It's very possible that the 3,000 people that were converted on the day of Pentecost were converted in answer to this very prayer that Jesus offered. What a prayer it was. What compassion, what mercy, what infinite love. The very first words of Jesus spoken on the cross when he was crucified, when his own body was racking with pain and agony, He's thinking about others. He's thinking about the very man that nailed him to the cross. And this prayer of intercession was for them. Father, forgive them. I believe that this prayer penetrated their stony hearts and melted them. You know, when you hear others pray and pray for, for your forgiveness, does it not make you think? Does it not provoke a reaction Does it not melt your heart? If you could only attend our prayer meetings, whether it's on a Thursday night or a Sunday morning or even the prayer meetings prior to the mission meetings, and listen to the people of God pray, pray for you, maybe even mentioning some by name, bringing them to the throne of grace, see the tears, comprehend the brokenness, I believe that you would be affected. That wife who faithfully wrestles with God for her husband to be saved. That father, mother that pleads the name of their child before the throne of heavenly grace that that child might be redeemed and saved by grace. That son or daughter that weeps for a father that's outside of Christ without a saviour. That family member whose heart breaks As they think of their loved one on the road to a Christless eternity. That friend who who brings your case before the Lord in prayer. If you could only hear their prayers, you would be moved. If you could just sense the concern and feel the burden. And be touched by the love tears that are shed over your soul. That you might not go to hell. I believe it would move you inwardly. If you could but draw back, my friends, the curtain of eternity and peer into what has been called the third heaven, the heaven of heavens. There is one there at the right hand of God who prays and who pleads for sinners. And he still prays this prayer. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus, we're told, ever liveth to make intercession. Does that not move you? 
Does that not touch your heart? Does that not melt your innermost being, knowing that there in heaven this very day, Jesus is praying on your behalf? I know that he's praying for this mission. And he's praying for the unconverted who are attending the mission. And am I right in saying that he's looking down into this very meeting tonight and he's praying for you? Father, forgive them. They've wasted all these years. They've turned away their ear from the truth. They've hardened their hearts against me. They have refused to receive me. Lord, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. I trust tonight that that prayer will be answered on your behalf. And that you will come. And that you will be saved. That you will put your faith and trust in him. Who died upon the cross. To take away your sin. Let us pray. Sitting down they watched him. And we have seen a little bit of that tonight. Just a little bit. But I trust enough to speak to your heart and to show you a saviour who loves you and is concerned for you. We are concerned and we love you tonight. But you know our concern and our love is so small in comparison to the one in heaven who looks down upon you now. He loves with an everlasting love. His compassions never fail. My friend, it's good to know that the Saviour at the right hand of God is praying, praying for you. Will you come to Christ? Will you seek the Lord tonight? Call upon his name. You need to get to Calvary, to the cross, where Jesus died. We can help you, that's why we're here. This mission has been convened for the preaching of the gospel. The gospel is the good news. The good news that Christ died for sinners. That you don't need to Go on in this life and die in your sin and be lost in hell forever. But that there is a way, a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. A door that's open that all may go in. Calvary's cross is where you begin when you come as a sinner. To Jesus, will you come tonight? Heavenly Father, bless your word. Draw us to the cross. Help men and women understand their need. Don't let them reject the Saviour anymore. But may this be the night when they'll come and put their faith and trust in thee. For Jesus' sake. Amen. It's the way of the cross that leads home. And there's a hymn that we love to sing in Hebron. I am coming to the cross. And that's what you need to do. Maybe you're sitting in the meeting tonight and God has touched your heart and You've listened to the message of the cross and just something's happened in here. You'd love to be saved. Well, here's where you need to come. I pray that you will sit there or as we stand to sing in contemplation of these words that you'll say in your heart, I am coming to the cross. I am poor and weak and blind. I am counting all but dross. I shall full salvation find. It's a prayer that you can cry in your heart tonight. And if you mean it, the Lord will hear that prayer and he will save you. May God bless us as we stand to sing our closing hymn. Mm -hmm.
Heavenly Father, we thank thee that this is the cry of the heart when a sinner comes to Jesus. I am trusting, Lord, in thee. Blessed Lamb of Calvary, humbly at thy cross I bow. Save me, Jesus, save me now. We thank you that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And Lord, we pray that you'll do that even now as a result of this meeting. May there be those who will pray, save me, Jesus, save me now. Lord, dismiss us with your love and in your fear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you.